Hello and welcome back to Future Prairie Radio, where marginalized artists explore the future through the lens of the arts, humanities, and culture. I'm your host, Joni Whitworth, and this is Season 2, Episode 14, After the Most, with Megan Kersmarzik. It's not about what you're making, but how you're making it. I want my art to be a lens for people to figure out their own lives. I want people to be living their their most true selves. Art should accomplish something. I'm doing a lot of trying to figure out what my work stands for right now. Megan is an artist based in Portland, Oregon. She's currently undergoing treatment for leukemia and has been at Oregon Health and Science University for all of quarantine, preparing for her second bone marrow transplant. She's been painting the entire time. As a painter, her bold and dramatic use of color and texture gives form to feeling, capturing deep and resonant emotion and energy, and exploring themes of creative identity and healing. She's the author of a hand-painted poetry zine called Running Away From Home. She's shown her work at Presso, Backtalk, Blackbird Wine Shop, and most recently at Blank Space in Portland as part of a multidisciplinary show on identity. She also leads creative workshops and celebrates the work of women artists and musicians and is the founder of Art Baby, an online art magazine. Hi, my name is Megan. I'm an abstract artist based here in Portland. I moved here a decade ago from Arizona, so I was a little bit of a desert rat, and then I came up to Portland. And right now I'm working on a couple of shows. I'm working on some new bodies of work. I'm really trying to develop my practice around art as healing and trying to communicate that to other people just through some of the the different approaches that I'm using and methodologies and things. So I'm just kind of developing that right now. And I'm also a writer. I write poetry and essays. And I have a studio over on East Burnside. I mean, I started making art because I was trying to figure out who I was. And I'd always studied art. I My undergrad is in art history. My grad degree is in arts administration and museum studies. I have helped a lot of artists build their businesses, but never thought that I was an artist. And I started making art probably six years ago because I was in the middle of, I basically just up and quit my life for like six months, what my life had looked like. Because I was not living, I was having panic attacks every day and anxiety and I didn't, and I had never really had those issues before. But I, it was basically indicating to me that I was not in the place where I needed to be in my life. I was kept hitting a wall. I was not living authentic and true to myself. And I needed to do something so drastic in my life that basically changed everything in order to get back on the path that I needed to be on. And, then, and my life according to my own narrative versus what other people were telling me was the thing to do. Have a high-powered corporate job. Make sure you get benefits. Make sure you have this. Well, that job I was going to every day was making me feel dead inside. And I was surrounded by people that I just saw going through the motions of life every single day and not really living life. And (laughs) it was my worst nightmare. And I was having panic attacks going to work every single day in my car. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I had just gotten married. 
And I just, and I had always had this thing in my mind that I was like, I wanted to get married before I was 30 and I had found this person and we got married and it, it wasn't going well at all. And so I was in this place of my life where I was just like, okay, I'm going to this job I hate. And then I'm like leaving that job I hate to go home to a house with someone that is falling out of love with me and that we weren't like connecting and this is not the marriage that I wanted. And so my grandma calls me one day out of the blue and she goes, I, and my grandma's in her seventies. She's a firecracker. She owns hardware stores. Like she's very stubborn, no nonsense, super amazing, powerful woman. She called me. She goes, I'm going to buy out my business partner. I'm going to run the hardware store myself. And I was like, I'm going to quit my job this week and I'm going to come out and help you. Great. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I just worked in the hardware store and the greenhouse all summer. And I would sit on the floor watching Criminal Minds with her every evening and start making art. And I was in a no fear place in my life. I was like, I don't know who I am right now. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm going to be okay with that right now because I'm going to figure it out. But within this space of not having control... I felt the most secure and I felt like I was figuring out devoid of all these other opinions because I basically just up and left my entire life in Portland, all my friends and everything to move to the middle of the cornfields in Indiana and be completely isolated from a lot of the stimulus that I was used to the opinions like the, you know, and it may not have been like the method that other people would have used, but it worked for me. I needed something so drastic to get out of my rut and to get out of my like stuckness in life and to find out who I was supposed to be. Mm. And within that, I think it was being a lot more honest with myself about my, from having grown up very Christian, very fundamentalist, I didn't really have a chance to explore my sexuality. I didn't really have a chance to explore who I was devoid of these kind of expectations that had always been put on me because I grew up with the idea that women, their main value was as a wife and as a mother and as this, you know, very like obedient Christian woman. And so, you know, within all of that, I was just able to come back to Portland after about six or seven months and feel very back in tune with myself and very, I feel like very fearless and that's been like a huge part of how I always want to be is, is completely fearless and any fear that I do see to be in good relationship with it, to see it and to see what it's there for and what its use is there for. And I've become a lot more open and communicative with my mother, who is a pastor. She's a Christian pastor. She's a Methodist pastor and she's super badass in her own right. She has pushed and pushed and pushed against a very misogynist, you know, Christian environment that has constantly told her that she can be a leader and that constantly told her that she couldn't be a pastor. Now she's a lead pastor of a church and she tries to do everything that she can to, you know, invite women into the conversation and to be more inclusive. And so even though I don't align with those beliefs and I felt like they were very damaging growing up, she's a very safe person to talk to. Mm -hmm. And we may have different beliefs or approaches to certain things, but we've been able to kind of still come together. And, and she's been very like, when I've, I finally like had a conversation with her not that long ago where I said, you know, one thing really talked to her about like my sexuality and how it was very hard growing up in such a fundamentalist environment 
figuring out who I was. And I had to do a lot of things that were kind of damaging (laughs) and to figure it all out because no one taught me. There's no clear, easy path. And so that conversation has been very interesting and she's been very accepting and just really lovely. I think it's just been a very, like the past six years has been just a really like huge period of growth for me. And I think just gathering a lot of people around me who are also growing and tapping into doing the thing that they are supposed to be doing in spite of what other voices might be out there. And I think part of that too, being a millennial, I think we're very entrepreneurial. And so we think outside the box and we give ourselves permission to do that. I'm not really like identifying as a lot of things all the time. It's just really, I think more my intentions that guide all of my actions and my relationships in my life, like the, my values. It's more about like less, I, I guess it is like the values that I identify with, but it's less about like these kind of specific words about how I would describe myself and more about the way I want to live my life. Hmm. And the way I want other people to feel when they interact with me. I think if you just feel loved in my presence and, you know, and there's that like generosity and just a, showing up for somebody like I yeah it's just that feeling of how do you feel when you're around me if I was describing my work to someone it's interesting I I wear I'm kind of known as someone that wears like head to toe black all the time (laughs) but my works are really colorful and I use a lot of texture So if you were looking at one of my pieces, there's an interesting interplay of dark and light. So I use a ton of white to kind of create this bright space and kind of this interesting like interplay of like negative space with the chaos of all of the colors and the textures that I use. And it's very gestural as well, because when I start making my work, I purposely don't do a lot of planning with it because I want it to carry the emotions that I'm feeling at the time. And through that process, it helps me kind of exercise my emotions a little bit through the process of painting and creating these works. So I use a lot of greens and blues and teals and turquoise. And then it juxtaposes with this more like pastel yellows and pinks and big splashes of red. I do a lot... (laughs) of just these big gestural um, splashes of red or even neons. I'm using a lot of neons right now, which I use a lot like really early on in my work, but I'm bringing back into the picture because I just love how they stand out from a painting and they're just so bright and electric. So I would say there's a lot of, I love like the tactile components of my work because even if you put a blindfold on and reach your hand out. You can feel the landscape and the topography of the paint on the canvas itself because it's really thick and there's these just kind of valleys and, you know, slopes and hills like they're in carved into the canvas of my works, which I really enjoy the fact that you can appreciate the works on both a visual level and a tactile level. I view abstract art and the art that I make as a conversation. So until 
there's another person there to interact with it and to make their own meaning from it, then the work to me is not complete. The work is continually reinventing itself, starting and finishing, even if it's technically a finished piece because of your own physical interaction with it. Like even people that come into my studio, people will reach out because they want to feel it because some of the pieces even look like you've just iced like a thick layer of like icing on a cake, you know? <laughs> and so people, I can see them reach out for it and then they stop about a half inch from the, from the canvas and they step back and they're just like, oh, I love this. But usually I'll encourage people, no, just keep going and like actually put your hand on it. My poetry zine that I wrote is, all of that writing was because of a horrible heartbreak that I went through. You know, it's interesting because of the health things that I've gone through. A lot of people think that my work is a direct reflection of this like grappling with my own mortality, which it's not really. I think it's actually a form of just healing myself and a way for me to, like I was saying earlier, process and exercise the emotions and the feelings that are inside me. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that six months that I started painting in the middle of nowhere, it was a very meditative practice and it allowed me to just, to have something to do with my hand and to have an outlet that was kind of a ritual that became a way for me to sit with myself and to sit with my emotions and to sit with all of the changes that were going into my life and create a more concrete way of thinking about them and feeling them. And also within that, having a lot of forgiveness for myself and for the circumstances around me. And one thing I always, you know, think about is I'm, I'm somebody that is constantly curious about life and constantly striving for the most. I want the most out of life, right? Yeah. But there's also within going after the most, you have to be willing to accept where you're at in the present at the same time. Mm-hmm. Not just be obsessively chasing... Not just be accessible because within that too, you can be very very hard on yourself. And when you're trying to get from point A to point B in lightning speed without doing the work to get from point A to point B, then you're doing yourself a great disservice because you're not doing the hard work that you need to be doing to level up, (laughs) to get to that next spot because you have to pass, you know, you have to go through each of those challenges and you have to meet them and develop the skills to meet those challenges that help you in all of your future stuff. Because if you're just floating through or somebody else is doing the work for you, you're, you know, you're handicapping yourself, even though it may look like the easiest thing to do at the time. When it comes to health things, one of the things I noticed, because I've had to spend so much time in the hospital, that almost has become like a a meditation for me. Like, um, I've, developed ways of just being calm and patient and present even within something I can't control and something that's really scary Hmm. and even when I was going through my bone marrow transplant I would sit in my bed even though I was in this space of just I mean it's very you don't know what's going to happen but I would sit there and I would go internal and I would thank my body 
for doing the best that it can do. And I was just in my mind, just thanking my body and having gratitude for it and saying this current situation that I'm in is not ideal. This is not what I've like strived my whole life to get to. (laughs) But I think all of the, because of all of the work that I did to face all of the hard things in my life and to question everything and to try to put things back into like a, to put things into a place where I wanted them to be. And because I started to develop that fearlessness in a really hard moment in my life, when I was having to change my whole identity and what I was doing, I don't know, that all served to help get me to a place where I could sit in the middle of a hospital room and use that fear as a tool to heal and turn that around in a way that like I can still, I could still like see it and I could appreciate it because fear is not always a negative thing. It can be actually in our bodies trying to help us Mm -hmm. and look out for us. Mm -hmm. Um, So running away from it doesn't really help. It's being able to say, why is it coming up and why is it, why is it present and what is it trying to teach us? And I do honestly think that the reason I've been able to stay alive so long in the face of a very aggressive illness is because one, this healing practice I have with my art and number two, facing the hard things with a lot of grace and a lot of gratitude. And that I think paired with like this strong community of support I have around me has done probably just as about as much as like the chemotherapy that I've received. (laughs) I feel like at the end of the day. For new artists, I tend to say that it's, It's one of those daily practices. And I know that's kind of what a lot of people say, but it's really focusing on the ritual rather than the output in the beginning. It's not about what you're making, but how you're making it. And it was really in that kind of ritual that I was creating, sitting down every single night when I first started making art just getting some supplies and exploring and giving myself permission to make bad art, whatever that looked like to me. There's no objective like definition of what bad art looks like, but obviously what I started with is not where I'm at now. (laughs) So the ritual to me is the most important part. And when I do teach my workshops, what I do tend to see is that when people leave and they, and the ones that keep painting, keep drawing, keep making things, they're doing it on a daily basis. They're, they're, just actively creating and they're they may not be making that specific thing that they want but just by creating every single day they're going to get to that point where they're finally figuring out their style and their rhythm and the aesthetic and their vision and approach so that would just be my advice it's figuring out figuring that out and to knowing that there's never going to be a right time or a perfect time to be an artist or to create, it's never going to be like suddenly you reach a certain day and you're like, today I'm an artist. If it's finally struck me, it's finally occurred to me, 
my entire vision has come true. I like this, like hand of God has come down from the sky and now has anointed me as an artist. And I am like off to the races. Mm. You do that for yourself. (laughs) You are the hand in the sky (laughs) and you are the one that can basically speak into existence when you're going to start and how you're going to do it. And it's really within, I think, at the end of the day, when you start to just kind of let go of any expectations, any preconceived notions of what you should be doing or making, comparing yourself to other people, letting go of the creative shame that has been in your life, then you can go from there. And it may be that to get over that, you're not even making anything in the beginning. Maybe it's just you're reading art magazines and you're getting inspired that way and you're going to shows, you're going to galleries, you're observing, you're becoming more of the observer, but you're really doing it in more of an intentional way. Mm. And you're creating intention around just seeing how other people are making work and the work that inspires you and, you know, really kind of developing that piece first not using it as a, a way to avoid doing, but as a way to help feed into the doing. When I set my workshops, I usually give people a small canvas and a couple pieces of paper. And the paper is meant to be more practice and then use the canvas as more of a permanent piece of real estate for the thing that you've concepted. And even that can be really intimidating for people. They're yeah. already intimidated by, okay, the paper is fine, but the canvas here means like serious business and I have to commit to something. And, but I don't even know what, like, I've never used any of this before. So we really ease our way in and we think a lot. I encourage more like developing that ritual, but then thinking of just about like who you are at your core. What do you like? What are you passionate about? What are your values? What are your experiences in your life that have moved you the most? Because at the end of the day, your art is a reflection and extension of who you are and your experiences and things you want to put out in the world. So you need to start there. You're not going to know what you're supposed to be making or, you know, what your concept is supposed to be or what your in product is supposed to be to me until you figure out or you begin the process of, of figuring out who you are and... I think being able to articulate some of those core foundational things that make you, you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think a good example of that for me was just realizing that I'm never going to be one of those artists that sketches things out before I start. I'm not going to be a, you're not, no, I don't, I don't, no, I mean, I don't prepare and I'm not good at like the technical stuff. Like I don't like having to figure out how to hang a piece, a canvas up. Or get things framed. I don't, I've never liked like the technical pieces of stuff I just want to make. And so, and so that's how I knew that like my, okay, my practice is always kind of off the hip, right? Like it's just, how am I feeling right now? I'm going to go with that. Mm -hmm. And then pick out the colors that I want, do the gestures, you know, pick out the, the landing place for it. Yeah. So I knew that that's kind of, how I was able to make the best because if I started to think that I needed to prep more or do more of this kind of setup work, that's too restrictive to me and a little bit too overwhelming, a little too proscriptive. And that's just not how I view the work that I want to be doing. That's a more accurate reflection of who I am or like the work that I'm even drawn to. 
I don't believe in art for art's sake. I, I just, that's never been my kind of philosophy. I feel like art should accomplish something or should help us actually be doing something or tapping into something. And so I just, I think a lot about like what, how is my art a tool for like a lens, like I want my art to be a lens for people to figure out their own lives, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's a way, I want people to see that through me doing my practice in so many different settings and developing it and not having been like an artist my entire life per se, I was an artist, but I hadn't realized that until very recently and started making that you too can do that, that that is something totally graspable that you can go and start making art as well and having, and that is so essential to who we are as humans is an art practice yeah. and being creative that it's, it saves us in so many ways. And I think everyone should have some outlet in that respect. And there's so many times in our lives that we've been shut down in doing that, whether it's because we were told that our sister was like the artistic one and we were not the artistic one. Mm-hmm. You know, those kind of voices stick in our head and those are traumas that we carry with us, like creative traumas that stop us from making the art that we're supposed to. So that's what I, I want. That's why I teach workshops and that's why I invite a lot of people to come into my studio and make art with me because I want it to be approachable and I don't want it to be this thing that is fear you know, a fear thing for people that they don't feel like they can make art. So that's one piece of my art. And I'm just constantly trying to think about like, how do I invite people into my practice with me so then they can go off and do the creative things that they're supposed to be doing. Number one. And I think too, it's, I think how can people, because life is so precious to me and time is so precious to me. And I want people to be living their their most true selves in this life and not thinking it's later and later or living according to like other people's expectations or thinking they don't have options in their life. And I, I also want to be able to communicate that, which is a lot to communicate. But I mean, I think through some of the events that I do, which I do kind of view as almost like art installations sometimes to me, that just helps to elevate other people and elevate the creative community and demonstrates to other people just like the value of just going after what you are really passionate about. Mm. Even if maybe it doesn't include getting health benefits or even if it doesn't include some of the safety nets that we think are like an essential part of having a successful life, whatever that looks like. Obviously we want all that too, but I feel like there are other priorities out there. The same things that you hear all the time are, I've never done this before. Where do I start? My, you know, when I was growing up, I did art, but I had the horrible art teacher that told me that I wasn't doing art the right way. So I didn't do it anymore. Or my mom told me that I would never make money off of it. So I, I decided to do something else. But you get people in a room together and you actually give them the tools to make a piece of art. And literally everybody leaves that room having made multiple pieces of very beautiful art that they are super proud about and they go off and they start making more. So it's, I mean, it's super important to me for people to just escape the petty 
traps that people get into in their lives. And relationships are really interesting to me too. I think those kind of subject, you know, talking about just like our relationships with each other and yeah, that's definitely a theme that I want to explore more in my work. And another kind of development is really having more kind of, I think, interactive pieces to my work, whether it's actual pieces of neon versus using neon paint, using neon lights in my work, mm. you know, or being able to embed some sort of audio. It's been a kind of a vision of mine to try to incorporate some of the health things or like the medical tests that I have to go through constantly into my work somehow. And somehow for that to help, I think, bring more of that like facing your fears, you know, being present in your body, developing those healing habits that I really want to communicate to people. In the noise of just like everyday living, they bring us back to the thing that is actually keeping us alive. Which when you're in these tests and you're faced with just like, it doesn't, it, nothing else matters. It matters that your heart is beating in that moment. And that's the only thing that matters. Hmm. And it matters that it's beating the right way. Because if it's not, that completely changes everything. So it distills things down to a very like rudimentary level of no one else is living this for me. I'm the one that is having to do this. Hmm. And this matters more than all the other just petty things that we can distract ourselves with or that we've been convinced should be important to us. Yeah. Because in that moment, the only thing that is important is what your blood work looks like, what your bone marrow looks like, what your heart looks like, which are the core things of who you are physically. And it's a really like strange thing to be on such a like fundamental, foundational level with yourself. <laughs> I think I would love to reset what it means to show art and to share art. I'm rather weary of the kind of white box experience of art. And is that continuing to be a thing that like a way that we engage with art is kind of in a white box environment without there being questions asked about how you're building off of that or what else is it accomplishing mm -hmm. other than asking for someone to come to your art to experience it mm -hmm. and there be kind of maybe no other avenues around it for inspiring people to create their own experience or I would love to just see as we're developing as we're showing our work and places are holding exhibits and there are galleries and things like that, I, I'm just, I'm a little tired of it just being this, these like places where people go, they see things in a very kind of passive way, it feels like, and we're all just standing around and it's 
often the same people showing up in the same place, talking about the same things. And I just wonder how then the art itself is moving the needle toward being a little bit more significant than maybe just a pretty picture on the wall. Not that I think art can't just be its own appreciation and it, and it be decorative. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I think that we are in such a time in our world and in our, in history that art does need to be doing a little bit more heavy lifting and it needs to have a perspective and it needs to have a voice and it needs to have a purpose. And whether that's raising awareness about certain things, whether that's bringing people together into more meaningful dialogue I don't know what that exactly looks like, but I think we need to be challenging it and we need to be asking ourselves, is this the best way to share art, to show art? Is this the, is this the output? Is this really, is this really the thing? Or can we make this better? Can we make this more powerful? Can we make this stand for something more? And again, I don't know what exactly that looks like, but it's definitely something that's at the forefront of my mind as I'm developing shows this year and creating new bodies of work and creating opportunities for people to come together. And it's definitely like a, a thing that I'm challenging myself on and something that I want to continue to write about and research and explore to challenge other people. If you'd like to see Megan's work, check out her Instagram at messengerbird. That's M-E-S-S-E-N-G-E-R-B-I-R-D. Future Prairie is sponsored by ADX, Art Design Exchange, a collective of artists supporting artists. They have sanitized, safe studio spaces available for working artists in Portland, and they just launched Art TV, a free weekly art show on IGTV. Visit their website, artdesignexchange.com, for more information, or follow them on Instagram at ADXPortland. This episode was produced by me, Joni Whitworth, and edited by Matt Larimer. If you have any questions or feedback about the show, please feel free to reach out at futureprairie.com or message us on social media at futureprairie.